0: Well, thank you again to all of those who have assisted in worship today for uh, Don V. Meyer, who was our liturgist this morning um, for our children's time, which was some of the views of day camp um, throughout this week. If you'd like to see more pictures, you can scroll through our Facebook page and see some of the other pictures um, of some of the funtivities that were, uh, that were held and had during this week at our day camp. And thank you again to Bob and Kathy Eaton who offered our special music for today. And of course, Gary Brubaker and our praise team who always put together um, our music for us as well. So thank you to all of those who have assisted to help make our worship services that which they are. So we are um, talking about this um, this series about some of those weird stories because the Bible is full of stories, some that we know and some that we don't know. And so we're spending a few weeks looking at some of those stories that we may not be as familiar with, or maybe those that we might know just a little bit about. They're the weird stories, some are concerning, and some we may wonder what has to do with anything. So last week we talked about Lot's wife. And we'll talk about Elisha and the she-bears today, Uh, Balaam and the donkey next week, Jesus cursing the fig tree, and then uh, Eutychus. So today, Elisha and the she-bears. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, okay, so a few weeks ago, uh, Stephen and I went to some friend's wedding in Chicago, um, and it was one. It was that really hot weekend. I think it was like 752 degrees outside. It was brutal. Um, like it was, it was an outdoor wedding, and like sweat was just pouring off. Um, and we wanted to celebrate our friends. Um, and so uh, it was a wonderful event, a wonderful wedding. Um, and then uh, just this week, um, one of our friends sent a picture that one of the photograph that the photographers had taken of Stephen and I. And so here's the picture. I mean, look at us. Here we are, looking super adorable. Um, I think this was at close to the end of the we- uh, the end of the night. Um, after dinner and and so forth. But um, like, if you saw just this picture alone, you could write a story about what happened at the wedding. So Stephen and I looked at this picture and we were like, oh, we're so cute. Um, And then the next morning, I woke up to another picture from my friend that he had sent me from their photographer. Um, and this one was taken um, as we were waiting for the wedding to start. And so here is that picture. And maybe this one tells, you know, a slightly different story. So here's the truth of what happened just before this picture was taken. Is uh, This was basically the conversation that we had Um Uh, we were sitting, you know, like I said, it was 752 degrees. Sweat was pouring down. um, And Stephen put his arm around me because he was trying to be like, oh, we're at a wedding and everybody's in love. And I um, went to him, "Uh, please do not touch me. I, I don't want your sweat on my sweats. And he was like, I'm just trying to be romantic. And I said, maybe be romantic on a cooler day. And then, then that picture was taken so um same event same day but I show you one picture and one story gets told and I show you another picture and maybe another story gets told um, and then I don't have a picture of like at the very end of the wedding when I said hey it's time to go and then I can, did like that midwest goodbye thing where I talked to people for like 20 more minutes and then we had to walk a mile to our car in the pouring down rain. Don't have a picture of that. And that would tell um, another story. Right? Um, and all of those are true. I mean, it was beautiful. We're adorable. Um, we had a great time. Also, sweat makes me grumpy. Um, so altogether, you get sort of this fuller picture of the day. Um But separate, they tell different stories. And I think the same thing happens as we read through the scriptures also, as we read through the Bible. We take snapshots of pictures or look at stories without putting them always in the appropriate context. Sometimes that's adding historical context. Sometimes it's geographical context. Sometimes it is theological context because these stories were written and recorded for particular reasons. And sometimes it's in relation to other parts of Scripture of how this connects with that, which connects with that. And sometimes when you just look at one piece, it's sometimes it doesn't make sense or it's confusing. And so it's always helpful for us to understand what's going on when we know more of it. And the truth is, we can also spend our whole lives dedicated to learning more and um, be learning until the, way, until the day that we die. We can continue to be learning forever. <clears throat> um, I think that's part of why I find the Bible endlessly fascinating, that there's just so much to it. And it's also how, about how we understand God and the relationship between God and people. And I also find that both endlessly fascinating and inspiring. Reading through these stories helps to inform me how I want to live my life. And and hopefully for you, it does the same. um, How you want to live your life following the examples found through the scriptures. And I think that it's important that we know what our stories are. And that includes some of these stories in the Bible that are weird or strange or even difficult. They help us to give us uh, bigger and better pictures of the Bible and what our story actually is. So it was, um, oh gosh, it was several years ago. I preached at a sermon at a church um, and we were using our vacation Bible school stories. And that, in that year in particular, one of the stories was Moses and the Ten Plagues. And so um, for worship that morning, um, I mostly just read straight from the Bible um, a little dramatic flair about Moses and the 10 plagues. And after the service, um, you know, in the the greeting line, the reception line, um, there was somebody who, um, you know, sort of hung back and wanted to be the last. And um, when they came up to me, they had this, this angry look on their face. And I was like, oh, no. Um and they said, Next time, don't preach about movies, preach about the Bible. And I went, oh. I did. I, I mean, I almost read it straight from the Bible. I said, What what movie do you think that I'm preaching about? Um, and they explained that they thought that I was preaching about the movie The Ten Commandments, um, which I was like, that's also in there's some inspiration from the scriptures from that too. Um, But they had no idea that the story of the 10 plagues was actually found in the Bible. And so I think that it's important that we know our stories, even those that are weird or obscure. Which brings us to today's story, the story about Elisha. Elisha Um, was a prophet of Israel, and he was the prophet of Israel following Elijah. So Elijah passed the mantle on to Elisha. Um, And Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And Elijah was viewed to be as a great prophet. Um, And in fact, Elijah uh, is reported in the scriptures not to have died, but to have been taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And so after this event has happened, then Elisha becomes the prophet. And he, was, um, he asked for a double portion of Elisha's spirit and was actually to believe to have, perform- to have performed twice as many healings and miracles as Elijah did. Now, as a prophet, Elisha's job was to call the people of Israel back to God and in right relationship with God and with one another, which um, prophets were not always, it was not always, um, it was a hard job being a prophet. So Elisha is the prophet prophet. At this time. Um, and immediately after uh, or immediately before the passage for this day, in between Elisha becoming the prophet, then he goes and performs this big miracle of cleaning water um, and um and taking care of people. And then there's this passage. So our passage for today um it's basically. I mean, it's a short passage, um, and essentially, what it sounds like is Elisha is taunted by some small boys for being bald. He cursed them, and two she bears come out of the woods and mauled forty-two of them. The end. Like that's it, and what a story, right? And I, uh, this passage in particular, um, throughout my ministry career, I, I probably had this story brought to me more than any other. Once, <laughs> ask asking, um, what do I do with this? What is this? Um, or it, a lot. Sometimes it's happened like in middle school retreats. They'll be like, yeah, what about this story? Um, and those are again, it's a good question. I mean, um, sometimes the question is, if God is so loving why did this happen? Or if Elisha is so good, why does something like this happen? And those are some really good questions. So most of the time, the ways that the story is pictured is that some kids made fun of Elisha for having no hair, and he retaliates by asking God to attack them with bears. Okay, that's not really all that's happening there. So let's unpack some of these details a little bit, because there's more that's going on to the story than meets the eye. So in the passage, um, sometimes these are called um, small boys. Sometimes they're called youths. Sometimes they're called kids um, or young boys, However it may be in the scriptures there, in the Bible that you have, in the version that you have, most of the time what our mind pictures in hearing that is picturing children. But the Hebrew actually doesn't mean children. It means young people um, or young boys or young men. And the word that's used, um, the age that that signifies was typically anywhere from 12 to 30. Um, So these aren't like preschool children. These are younger people, anywhere from 12 to 30 years old, not children. Um, And it also says some. And, you know, a lot of times I think people, um, when they brought this to me, they're like a couple or a few. And it says some, but then 42 are attacked. And so um, it's not just a couple of young men who are standing around teasing Elisha. and it's pointed out that this is Bethel, and Bethel at that time was a city known really for idolatrous relationships and idolatrous worship. This was one of two cities that were set up as alternative worshiping sites from Jerusalem, and there were many idols around the city to worship, including a golden calf. Now, if you know your scriptures and you know your Bible and you can recall back to some earlier stories, um, you know even as early as as well Exodus with Moses, um, you know that that's not how worship works. And worshiping idols and especially a golden calf is like a no no. We don't do that. And so Bethel actually has this reputation and is known as a city for deliberately disobeying or not following the Mosaic laws or the covenant between God and God's people. So it's known for being a place that's um, not doing what is right. Okay, then the insult that's given, go away, bald head. Um, I mean, it it seems like a harmless insult, although, I mean... I mean, if you call someone baldy, it doesn't seem to be too harsh of an insult. But then again, um, should we be insulting anyone ever? How do we want to treat people? How do we want to be treated? Um, I remembered, um, it was several years ago, um, Michael C. Hall, who is an actor, he was nominated for an Emmy for his role on um, the show Dexter, And he went to an award show and he had like one of those stocking caps or one of those knit caps on. And almost immediately, there were commentaries and criticisms about his appearance and that he wasn't respecting the audiences or the atmosphere of the evening. And then news broke of his cancer diagnosis and that he'd been undergoing chemotherapy treatments. And he said in an interview this was not news that he wanted to share, but he was forced to because of the criticism over his appearance. Hey, bald head. Go away, bald head. Bald head, even at that time especially, was not a critique just about Elisha's appearance but it was a slur or a name calling over those who had skin diseases during that time. Because often when you had a skin disease, your hair fell out. And so it was not just a harmless insult. This was another way to exclude people or make fun of people who were bald because of their illnesses and to further exclude them from society. So Bald Head wasn't, wasn't really making fun of Elisha for his appearance, but calling him names because, well, they thought he was sick. Another way to further exclude and isolate people. Now, as I read so many different commentaries and articles and things about this passage, um, so many places said to make it, that they wanted to make it clear that the text, um, the scripture doesn't say that the individuals who were attacked by these bears were killed. They were just mauled. Because, you know, you can be attacked by a bear and still live. So maybe this isn't so bad. Which seems like, I mean just trying to put a good spin on things. I'm not sure what happened. The scripture says that Elisha cursed these young people and then they were attacked by two she bears. So there are some questions. Did God attack these people? Was it just good timing? The bears were going to attack anyway, so it was just convenient that it happened after this incident? Why would God attack them? And what does the story have anything to do with our faith? And all of these are really good questions. So, within this story, I think sometimes we hear the answers to those questions when we can find who we identify with in the story. So who are you in this story? Are you Elisha? Are you some of the young people? Are you the bears? Are you standing by? Are you someone who heard this story third hand and passed it along? Sometimes with who we identify in the story gives us the answers we're looking for, of how we interpret and how we understand the story. And sometimes it leads to more questions. So what does the story have to tell us? Well, I think it tells us a lot of things. You can look at it as just one of those weird stories. And that's it. I think that there's a part of the story that tells us how we should be treating one another. What insults do we think are harmless? But is an insult ever harmless? How are we how are we welcoming people? And is this a story about welcome and inclusion, not mocking those who might look or act differently than we do? I think there's a part of the story that's about worshiping God and not worshiping idols. I mean, we may not have golden calves that we worship today, but I think that there are still idols that we have that we worship, things that we put above God. So is the story about worship and about worshiping idols? I think that there's a part of this story that's about the power of God and who God is. And I think that this is a story where we find ourselves in it. I think that it's important to wrestle with these stories, especially the ones that seem strange or weird, because they tell us more about God and about God's relationship with us. And they also tell us about our relationship with one another. And these stories should always, they should help lead us into better relationship with one another, how to treat one another better and respect the dignity of one another better. How to love God deeper and fuller. How our love of God leads us to love one another better and deeper and fuller. And if our understandings of scriptures, of these stories of scriptures, don't lead us to those things, then we should probably read them again. So, may our readings of these stories invite us to ask more questions, to understand better. May they invite us to love deeper and better, both God and one another. And may they always invite us into a deeper walk with God as we live and as we understand our faith better and better day by day. Thanks be to God. Amen.